Welcome into the podcast that brings listeners directly to the intersection of sports and entertainment through the lens and incomparable style of Dick Buckus. Direct from the 312, join hosts Pete Hassan, Matt Amendola, and Matt Buckus as they dive into the worlds of football, pop culture, philanthropy, and more. This is Buckus Beyond the Line. Roses are red and violets are blue. If you've got any sense, you'll keep Butkus away from you. Welcome back to Budkiss Beyond the Line. Today we are joined with special guest in studio, Mr. Dick Budkiss, and his friend and teammate, Ed Obradovich, legendary defensive end for the Chicago Bears. But first, the huddle. 989 on two, on two, on two. Ready? Ready. On two, on two, on two. Ready? So uh, we had a couple of days at Bears training camp. We got a few more. And last week, I want to thank again the Coach Eberflus yep. that came in. He was great. Pop stopped by. Absolutely. So that, that was uh, that was something. Yeah, I got to know him a little better, some of his background. A lot of people didn't know kind of where he came from. So right. hearing his backstory. He liked I think he liked the some um, of the things he's about. The linebacker whisperer. He is the linebacker whisperer. And there's nobody that gets I, more out of their players than Matt. He's, Eberflus. I, we, I think we got a good one in Roquan Smith that he can whisper to. I would love to see that. Right, he got to spend the day with him. Remember, he said that, and so we'll see. I mean, he's got honestly, he comes off like a head coach, mm-hmm. but he's he sure has a lot of work to do, man. Because I, yeah, you know, you got some stuff at receiver they probably need to look at. I mean, everywhere, bro. Yeah, I mean, the offensive line, and I, I think he's the right man for the job. He seems like he's a you know a fiery guy, and he gets a lot out of his players. Yeah. But I mean, not gets a lot out of his non-star players. I think they're bringing in sixteen to seventeen undrafted rookies this year, which, or I say rookies, undrafted players. I saw they picked up a couple of little wide receivers, a kid from Notre Dame, and Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting. The offensive line is definitely going to be a topic of conversation, (laughs) of course, right? And their and their depth, and their depth. Yeah, you know, you got your starters there, and well. I think we were talking before. I said, you know, if they can get playing time out of their draft pick, they didn't have a number one draft pick. Mm-hmm. So if those guys can come in and compete and maybe contribute. And, and contribute and play and start, I mean, we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just I was you know glad to hear a lot of his just as some of his ideas as far as scheme wise that the Bears are going to approach with. He's a defensive guy, linebacker, yeah. whisperer, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I got a lot of faith in him so far, what I've seen and what I've heard. I just, you know, I want to see it on the field, and I think he can deliver. Yeah, I think he does too, you know. Mm-hmm. what? That's why they play the game. That's why they play that's the why game. He kept on, that's what he kept on talking about. So, all right, let's get to it. AmericanEagle.com has over two decades of experience designing websites that produce results. Their clients come to rely on them for full line of website services, from consulting and strategy to digital marketing, hosting, and support. AmericanEagle.com is the technology partner you need if you're looking for online success. They're also the official website and digital marketing provider for the Budkus Award and the Budkus Foundation websites. And we proudly recommend the team to AmericanEagle.com. Give AmericanEagle.com a call today. One eight seven seven web now one. 
Welcome back. We are joined today by NFL championship winner, Chicago Bear defensive end from 1962 to 1971. He was also selected as one of the 100 greatest Bears of all time, Mr. Ed Obradovich. Welcome to the show. Let's jump right into things and get started. Listen, <laughs> I remember one time I was able, I was in town and I listened to you and, uh, and Buffon talk about a game and then I called in. <laughs> But uh, uh, we didn't rip them too bad, did we? <laughs> Do you ever get any crap from people? No. How no. about that from the management? No. Oh, I don't know, and I really wouldn't care. You know, what I'm going to sit there, and I see what I see. I'll pay out of God know how many years. Played 14 years with a broken neck, knees out, two separated shoulders. We won a world championship team. I played on it nice. with a team that won one game. You remember that season, Dick? Yep. Okay. We've had good coaches, bad coaches, and I'll be diddly damned if I am going to come on the air or to my friends or anybody and tell a story that's not true, that didn't happen. And you got to know how to win. And what happened? I'll tell you what. The last head coach we had, this guy wanted to be, and I just mentioned this to you, Dick, the 53 players on it, he wanted to be their best friend, their new best friend. It doesn't work that way. You've got to hold them accountable. You know that. Yep. I mean, my God, who played the position better than you? Nobody. And you understood. And is there a difference in coaching? Dick, you, you know it. We had one of the finest coaches that was ever in the National Football League in George Allen. You're right. He was our defensive coordinator. He took us to the world championship. We shut the, just beat the hell out of the Giants in Wrigley Field, and we won it. And by the way, that's the last time I checked. That's why you play this game. You don't play the game to go nine and eight, you know, mm -hmm. or eight and nine, uh, 50, 50, whatever the hell it is. You don't play the game that way. You play it to be a world champion every year. And if you don't get it, you don't understand it, get the hell out of the game. That's what I believe. That's what Doug Buffon believes. That's what Dan Hampton believes. And I know damn well that's what you believe. What do you think about the new players these days and their antics and jumping around and running 100 yards after they make pose, a play? Pose for the camera. Well, I'll tell you what. If I was signing a five-year contract for $250 million, I'd be jumping around too. <laughs> that's true. So <laughs> it's well, yeah, well they they explain it by saying they're having fun. Oh my God, fun! Or something. How come they don't jump and run, uh, run uh, ninety yards after they uh, throw an interception? Yeah, or, or they miss a tackle. Or how about the guy that makes the tackle and he runs seven, eight, ten yards away from everybody else? Uh, yeah. and does his hula dance or whatever the hell it is, and then blows and like, out like his knee. He did something. The next play, he gets put on his back. <laughs> <laughs> Why doesn't he jump up and run seven, eight yards and start crying? Well, or the, the kicker that's jumping up and down and he blows out his knee? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dramatic. Well, well, you yeah. know, you know, when I was doing NFL today, it's all the directors. When they're showing the, doing the games, the directors upstairs are picking out the cameras. You know, after a touchdown, sure. all these guys are doing their celebration. They could cut away to other things, but they think – that's what people want to see, I guess. I, I, I don't know. I don't person. I was telling the story. I was telling the coach about it earlier about Monty Stickles, my rookie year, where you guys did to him. It was the first game of the year. You know, we're watching film, and I'm a rookie. I'm sitting in the back, and, you know, Stickles 
clubbed someone from behind, and then they, I don't know, Bill George or somebody said, stop that, run it back, you know? And then we go there, play the 49ers, we're watching the game films, and Stickles is in there for a play, and then the next thing you know, he's gone. He's gone. Guys took care of him. You know what I mean? Well, that's the way it was, Stick. You know, I, I'm going to tell you something. The All the football pundits, Dick, when you and I played, the decade you and I played, it's come down, they always like, what was the toughest decade? What was the most violent decade? And it was the 60s, hands down. The 60s was the most violent decade of football, and unfortunately, that's when you and I played. Yeah. Oh, my God. Lord Almighty. You know, there was only one rule. The one rule was there was no rules. <laughs> uh, it, was, uh, it was something else. And so somebody asked me, you know, from time to time, and they talk about, well, you know, these players today are so much bigger and faster and whatever. Give me a break. <laughs> Doug Atkins, the other end that I played against with, was 6'8 and weighed 280. Okay? Okay? <laughs> Name a 6'8, 280 defensive end now in the National Football League. There isn't one. <laughs> I got a quick question for you, Ed. So I was watching NFL films recently. Not only were you considered by another colleague of yours as a, possibly a Hulk Hogan of your day, I got one of the best quotes that I've seen in a long time. It said, Ed Obradovich traded macho for manners and sweat for polish. He was a high-octane mixture of cussing, fussing, and his tank was never empty. Where did that passion come from, Ed? Love of the game, I guess. You know, uh, just... Uh the love of the game, just the same as uh, as Dick here. I mean, uh, and it's a game. I, you know, Richard. After the years and time goes by, and you start thinking, it, football was easy game to play for me, and I know it was easy for you. Could just, it just came natural. It was easy. Uh, you could, you knew how to shed a block. You knew how to to attack, when not to attack, and the game was easy. And I don't mean that this is, uh, that I'm so much better than anybody else. But I think the people that play this game, it comes easy to them. Why? Because this is a violent game. Mm-hmm. I mean, a violent game. You got 11 guys trying to go one way and 11 guys at the drop of that football trying to stop you from going. And uh, so that's, that's my point. Well, growing up in Chicago... How did you, uh, you know, you get into football, a little of your football history? Was it, you know, a sports family and, and things like that? Because of, like my dad, you you stayed in Chicago. Right. And then Illinois and then the Bears. Yeah. You uh, don't see that ever uh, in today's, with the drafts and everything. You see maybe high school and college, but no one stays in their city. So you guys are too... Maybe both of you, you know, who'd you look up to, you know, growing up? Was it a a parent? Was it another player just growing up in Chicago? How was that and playing for your hometown team? Back then, I I remember my brother Mylon had an older sister, four years older. My brother Mylon's two years older, and and he was uh, in television. I remember watching Cleveland Browns, Otto Graham. Uh, throwing the ball all over it a lot. Marion Motley, a running back for the Cleveland Browns, a fullback. Alan Amici from Wisconsin. Those were kind of guys that I remember watching football on television. But when I went to a high school called Proviso, which is now Proviso East, that was uh, a very large school, played all the major sports. 
I remember when I go on a fresh. We had 125 kids on the freshman football team. Wow, 125. Wow. Hmm. And uh, I mean, they would have like different colors. There was like four or five colors, and what string you were, you had to wear these colors, and and that went through. You know, did you win there? Uh, high school? Uh, yeah, we did. Uh, that's well. That's a lo- kind of a long story, Dick. Because <laughs> well, we got it, we when, have time. I, well, in my junior year, we tied for the conference championship with Evanston, and and of course there were no playoffs then. Right. And I think we were tied or came in second. I think as uh, state champs, but it was all, you know, there was no playoffs. It was right. just how they voted and and what have you. And uh, going for my junior year. Uh, you know, I made all conference, et cetera, and going into my senior year in that summer, I dove into a lake and broke my neck. <laughs> oh, man. You what? Broke my neck. Diving in the water? Diving in the water. Shallow? Uh, those are the days when I thought I was Superman. <laughs> oh, <boy>. uh, <laughs> oh, we was Lake Zerk, as a matter of fact. <laughs> and I know it's not funny, bro. <laughs> But I'm sure it will be after the story is told. So we were, you know, fooling around. I was going with this gal from high school, and her brother lived, he was in service, and he lived on that lake because there was a Nike site right around somewhere near in Lake Zurich. But anyways, so it was shallow water, but I could swim pretty good. I, you know, went to the Bellwood Pool. My dad was a lifeguard there, What's you know, from knee high to a grasshopper. So, but I thought, well, I could come off the grass into the sand, onto the wood uh, plank going out, and I could fly far enough that I can do this racing dive. Well, but I remember it, boy. I hit and do the racing dive, but go like this, put your head, and it went up, and you even stop laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I had just a picture of you. Right. Yeah. And a speedo up, and everything. Yeah. I was I speedo on <laughs> the speedo. The the pain was in my shoulders. And it was oh, like no. something I never experienced before. Oh. And I'm sixteen years old. And uh, you know, ready going into my senior year. And I had a lot to look forward to athletic wise, you know, in football. So we went out to the raft, got up on the raft, and then all of a sudden this pain started leaving my shoulders. Went into my neck, and then I, my head dropped, and I couldn't hold my head up. Whoa. So they Jeez. came, and oh, a bunch man. of guys came and got me off the raft. <laughs> walked out of the lake. They're holding my head up. <laughs> so we go. I get in the car, convertible car, put the top down, and there was two or three people in the back seat took their time, each one trying to hold my head up. And I, I meant to me. Come on. Yeah, I couldn't hold it up, Dick. Couldn't hold my head up. And the pain. And, and so we drive to Elmer's Hospital. Like there's a hospital from Lake Zurich to Elmer's. <laughs> but anyway. Every bump you probably felt. Yeah. yeah so so we, we pulled up to the emergency room, and my parents were there. And uh, my parents were a, a heart specialist in Elmer's, and they didn't know, so they called him. And they they took X-rays, and everybody every whatever the hell I did, they everybody had to hold my head up. And um, so this doctor came in, and I'll never forget this. He walked in, and everybody was taking turns. My family <laughs> holding my head up, Jesus. and I'm in the hallway. 
he came in, Dick. I'm telling you. I remember this. He walked in that hallway, and he saw me and what they're doing. And he went after the nurses and the doctors right there screaming. If anything serious happens to this kid from his broken neck, I'm holding all you accountable. Right there. And I didn't know I had a broken neck. Wow. That's that's hot. I didn't know. How and when he said a broken neck, I oh my god. Couldn't even look up to look at him. Well I well, I would think you didn't have any paralysis problem. I had one incident we went oh they checked me dick when they put me in. Then they took me up to a room and hooked me up to uh, uh, a neck brace. Like a traction uh, yeah, thing? Traction. And yeah. it went up over the bed with the weights on the back. Right, right. You know, a harness. Yeah. And uh, they told me, you know, this is going to be, I was in there, I don't know, like two months, something like that. Jesus. And uh, they told me, they constantly checked me. I mean, it seemed like it was every 10, 15 minutes, it might have been longer. They'd come around and check me if anything was going numb. Then all of a sudden, like a half a day into this thing, uh, I started to feel numb, numbness coming in. And oh my God, Dick, you, I tell you, I remember that one. I, oh my God, no. Paralyzed from the neck down. Sure. And uh, thank God, uh, good Lord was uh, was there. Well, and uh, now after all this, then you continue to play football. Did they say right. you couldn't play? They told me I'd never play football again. Wow. I'd never do anything again. Wow. You know, they, and they said you should thank God that you're here now and that you're not paralyzed or anything. He's but you'll never play sports again. Huh. Well, the uh, friends of my family, their, their last names were McDermott, and they lived. We lived in Hillside. They lived in Berkeley, and uh, they came over and told us to go see this doctor downtown. They said he is the man to see. The name was Dr. James Stack at Passivent, which is Northwestern Hospital today, but it was Passivent. And apparently this guy was like the foremost. So my parents set up an appointment, Dick. We go down there, I brought all the x-rays, and this is like a year later, something like that. So I go in and I take all the x-rays, which, I mean, they, they got me opening my phone in my mouth X-rays. It was it was unbelievable. I don't know how many they took. We have the meeting with Doctor Stack, and the bottom line was this: He said, "Yes, in a year you'll be able to play football." Either I said or my what? How? What? He said, "As you can see right here, he's pointing to it. Natural fusion is taking place already." He says, "You'll be able to play football. You come back in a few more months. We'll keep checking you out, but you will be able to play." And and the other doctor told me no. You'll never play football again. He wanted to operate on me. And that's when I should have mentioned that. But that's when the McDermott family came over because they had seen that same doctor. And then they moved down to Dr. Stack. Amazing. And he's the guy that did that. And uh, so that's when I say, you know, Dick, the three years in college and 11 years in the pro, 14 years playing with a broken neck. And I don't know if you, we got so many shots from. <laughs> For in my neck, they would shoot my shoot me in my neck when my neck was real bad, Dick. You know, yeah. at halftime or whenever, and Fox would come in and. Well, I wonder why you didn't see Fox early on. <laughs> oh Jesus! Oh boy, here we go. The reason why we didn't see him because the good Lord was watching. <laughs> <laughs> so what did the you kind of, did you hide it from Illinois or did they know that no, you no. were hurt? How could he? Hide no, it? no, I couldn't. No, here's what what all happened when I finally got the okay. 
which was about another year later. And there was uh, Illinois, Minnesota, and one other school, Wyoming, were going to offer me scholarships. Hmm. But I had a bazillion of them before the accident. Yeah. And those three. And so I had to go down, and and, uh, when I chose Illinois, they wanted to take a look at me, and they wanted a letter from the doctor that I could release. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I also, I'm not sure if I had to have it with the Bears, too. I, I can't remember that, Dick. But I had to get a letter saying that I, I can play football. He's wow. healed enough. I've got a question. So I was actually looking at some old NFL films. Can you, either one of you, please, uh, there's a story about a, maybe a coach, Abe Gibbons. Gibbon. 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 As far as uh, Ed ended up on the ground <laughs> with a sideways face mask. Do you remember this story? Where you would take up all the guys and my dad would oh. make the tackle and you'd get yelled oh, at. Oh, he got. <laughs> what do you mean, oh? I've heard this. I haven't heard the whole story. But I you... know where it was. We were playing Minnesota Vikings. Okay. And I think Osborne was the running back, Dick. Yeah. So I'm playing, I think it was right or left. I can't remember. Right defensive end, let's say it was that. Anyways, the snap of the ball. The offensive tackle fires out at me and tries to reach around, you know, to hook me. They didn't let him do that. Beat him. Then the tight end, I don't know who the hell he was trying. He came down on me. I hit and I spun. Then it was either, I think it was the offside, the onside guard. He came. He hit. I spun again. And then the running back comes and hits me and I jump over him or stumble or fall over somewhere. And then I spin around. And I think it was the offside guard comes around. I've come out of a spin. And that guy whacks me right in the mouth, and I go down like a sack of potatoes. I took out about four or five guys. <laughs> now I had no idea who the hell made that tackle or whatever happened until Tuesday when we had the meeting. Film day. And so we're watching this, and here we go. One, beat him. Boom, guy comes down, beat him, spin out. Three, they got spin out. Another guy, spin out. And I think I jumped the, the back or somebody. I think it was five guys. Go, there's only 11 on the team, for God's sakes. We're getting more I and more. I think I the team. And so where's the monster? Where's 51, the greatest of all time? There he is, hiding behind me, shuffling with his feet, like, you know, when you shuffle along sideways? And there he is. He's housed down behind me, and he's sliding along as I'm getting the hell beat out of me, going across 30, 40 yards, and nobody touched him. Nobody, because I took everybody out. And then he hits the he hits Osborne and kills him. And Abe Gibron, this is a story about him. That jerk. Didn't he say <laughs> you ended up upside down on the ground? Yeah. Oh, Christ. I, I didn't even know. I told you. The last guy took me out, you know. And then that's when Dick came because there was nobody else. And he hits the guy, Hosborn, and kills him. And then, so I seen that and I said, run that play back. So they run it back and we go one, two, three, four, five. And then Dick makes this unbelievable and just crushes him, kills him. And Abe Gibran says, butt kiss, great play. <laughs> Obradovich, take a look at yourself. For Christ's sake, you're upside down. <laughs> what? Just in my life, you can't laugh so hard. It's a true story. I took this great play. 
Obradovich, take a look at yourself. You're upside right. down. Run it back for Obradovich. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my oh, that's God. Oh. <laughs> Dick, how was it playing behind uh, OB? He was good. He was good. You know, they had one good year there. And I remember we were talking about it. He should have made it to the Pro Bowl. He didn't make it, but he had a hell of a year. But we, you know, we uh, we start rooming together near the end. And uh, yeah, I uh, I remember I was a junior, maybe or sophomore. Uh, I never went to a bear game. I went there once, and that's when. Remember, I was yeah. at, at Wrigley, and you, I just you hollered at me when we were hollered. warming up. Yeah, yeah. So you came over. Yeah, well, the first time back. I met you, Dick, Ronnie brought you down, your yeah, brother. My brother, yeah. I think you were a freshman or a sophomore. Yeah. At and vocational. Wh- were CBS. you there? Was Nitschke with you? No. Well, I, well, he must have been visiting or something. He was I going re- to summer school. Oh, all right. He, it, he was playing Ronnie, for the Packers, but he came back. Because Ronnie uh, introduced me to him. Yeah, he was uh, he was good, you know. And then uh, he was playing opposite Doug Atkins, and, of course, you know, he was getting a lot of, a lot of ink, but... Ed, uh, he was a sleeper. He was very good at what he was doing. And uh, as you could tell, his attitude for the game and everything was, was pretty good. So uh, And Buffon was good, too, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. Remember, uh, Doug got hit in the, in the mouth, too. Right? Uh, was it with Charlie Sanders? Remember? He oh. took an elbow to the mouth. Yeah, he and, caught him. Uh, and that's when you got Charlie we, Sanders. We took care of him. But <laughs> yeah. anyway, you don't see that today. Yeah. Um, what do you miss most about playing? You ever think about it? Um, or probably or maybe the pain. Uh, you know, uh, Matt, you just mentioned pain. That's I the best of my memory. My like middle to late twenties, Dick. I don't think there's been a day or a few days without pain somewhere. Yep. I mean, I I they say stand up, stand up. Well, you know, I got my God, I. Uh, Fake hip, fake knees, both shoulders separated, <laughs> broken neck. Uh, you know, stand up straight. Christ's sake, I'm lucky I'm I'm I'm, I'm walking. <laughs> you know, I know. And, and, I, I, we're paying for it now. I tell you what, I'm chronic pain. Man, uh, I got this darn neuropathy in my feet. I can't do a toe raise. It's like I, I'm drunk. I mean, I can't stand. You know, I, yeah. it's embarrassing. I'm falling a lot. You know, and uh, that's not good when you're our age, I guess, yeah. when you... Well, you know, doesn't that something. big pension check help anything? <laughs> big pension. Yeah. Could you... Now listen to this. Could you... I mean, how would you handle, like, you know, making maybe $40 million, uh You don't have to work in the off-season like we used to. Yeah. Like sold cars and pails and everything else. Yep. Not and your head practice, and then yeah, they don't. You can't. Well, you don't. You're not supposed to wear pads, but and get paid to work out. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> what would I do, and how would I handle it? Whatever have you? I, you know, Dick. I started working when I was 11 years old. My brother Mylan took me on the old Aurora Elgin train, which doesn't run anymore, but we get it in Hillside and in Berkeley, and it was the Caddy Glen Oak Country Club in Glen Allen. And I was 11 years old. I think the bag was as big as me at the time. And I've been working ever since. You still doing it? I was 11. It? You still working? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. What's Absolutely. Your oil? Oil and S&S Automotive. So, oil. You're, so you're one of the culprits with the uh, rising gas, price? gas prices? Yeah. Uh, give me a break. <laughs> Jeez. It's $8 in L.A. 
$8 for gas. <laughs> well, I don't know. They keep saying, well, the average price of gas is four seventy nine. I pay about seven something for a guy. I don't know exactly where this is. <laughs> Omaha, Nebraska. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about that. Anyway. What? Um, maybe step away from the game a little bit. What do you? Uh, you get as personal as you want. What do you like to do off the field? You like to hunt, fish, cook, read? No. Um, I walk every day. I force myself because a lot of times. I'll sit there dicking them. You know, it gets, and I, I wait till about like uh, 4.30, quarter to five, something like that. And and, and sometimes I say, ah, I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> and, and when I say that, when I say that, yeah. I've told myself, if you if that comes in your mind, Ed, get your butt out and go and walk. And that's what I do, Dick. I do. If I tell myself no, I change it to yes and I go do it. And what I do in the building we live in, I walk, you know, where there's like five, uh, we have five stories of parking, and I, I walk up and down the ramps. And, oh, that's good. And that you, good. You know, when I when I called you, or you called me the other day, I was going to ask you, do you work out? Yeah. That, well, I mean, I don't that's know if that's, your work, but that, that's, that's what I do. Or I'll go in the pool, which I haven't done that much lately in the last, well, ever since this COVID thing. Yeah. But, Dick, I go in for half an hour, and I power walk, power walk, power walk. And, and try not to stop for a half an hour. And then I'll do some leg exercises after that. But I haven't been in the pool in like about a, well, I was in there about a month or two ago, but basically a year, year and a half. I have not been in the pool, but I've been going up and down the ramp and that steepness, you know, cause you got to oh, yeah. pull and you got to yeah. grind. And then when you walk down, it's the pressure of trying to hold your, your knees. And so that's what I do. And oh. I do it not like every day, but damn near every day. Well, that's good. I have to. Yeah. I've got no choice. Stay active. Mm-hmm. Yep. I know I tried to, I got a whole set like a Nautilus in the driveway outside. And, jeez, uh, I, I, I go through guilt trips of, not, you know, I go out there and work out and then I'm stiff because right. I'm old. Right. And uh, then I'm like, then I miss a day and then I I go through the, the, the mental deal. Jeez. That's why I was going to ask you, you know, am I the only goof here that's lifting weights at 80 years old or 79 years old but uh so i kind of slacked off a little bit and used a little bit lighter weight well dick as if i'm going to be no you're, that, that that is no way the case at all you know what it is you're being smart just get some muscle tone yep. you know you don't have to lift a hundred pound barbell in your left hand a hundred in your right hand right. you know 10 pounds, seven pounds, whatever, just more repetitions, and that's what it is. And the key, and you, what the hell am I telling you for? It's repetition, you gotta do it, you gotta do it. Yep. If you don't, you're gonna go south someday, but you'll go south sooner if you don't do it. Yeah, yeah. Well. You know, they, what I mentioned earlier, I think I might have uh, gotten away from it. They talk about, when I talk about football, you know how these football players are big, strong, they're fast and everything. Yeah. Well, we had a kid by the name of Johnny Morse who was a receiver. He went to Santa Barbara, and he was a great receiver. Yep. In the 50-yard dash, he tied the world record. We had a kid by the name of Angelo Coya, a wideout receiver. Mm-hmm. In the 200-meter relay in the Olympics, he ran the third leg. I mean, you talk about speed. We had speed. And that's in 63. Yeah. That's in 63. And these receivers today, and I'll, I'll flat out make this statement, Dick, and I've said it before. You take these receivers today and put them 
in the decade of the 60s. Put them. These wideouts and the tight ends, a tight end, you would, he was not allowed to get off the line of scrimmage. You'd pop him with a forearm and his chops or give him a, a shoulder shake dip with the double hands. And I remember, George, don't let him off. Why more often than not? Because if you're, you're coming with a blitz, and if you come with a blitz, who's the outlet, the tight end or the back that checks down and goes out into the flat? Right. So we did two things. We stopped them at, we wouldn't let the tight end get out. And if that back tried coming around us, George Allen, we thing we called hang him. So when he tried to check down, looked inside, and he tried to break out, and he came around me, I'd catch him right in the throat. <laughs> and he'd go down, and I've heard, you should hear the squeals of some of those guys, Dick. Yeah, oh, my wow. God. And the same thing, Doug Atkins on the other side. Yep. That was called hanging. And, and I remember Richie Pettibone saying, all the things we do and the wideouts, we take the wideouts out. They get up right up on their nose on the line of scrimmage, and they throw a rolling block into them. And the big thing George, George Allen used to say, don't miss. <laughs> don't miss. So we would annihilate the receivers and the backs coming out, especially the checkdowns. Why? Because you see today's football, same thing. If the guys are covered, who do they hit? The back in the flat? flaring out or coming in and going out into the flat or the tight end on the hook or out in the flat. The three, four-yard, six-yard pass, you see it every day. They yeah. didn't do it against the Bears. And I remember Richie saying, you know what the funny thing about this is, though, he says, nobody knows what the hell we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, it seems simple to me. <laughs> we're taking everybody out right at the line of scrimmage. So, so yeah, but you couldn't do that today no. with the rules. No, the hanging... So so hey, all that stuff went out. That went out, Dick. About like we only did that like two or three years, and and uh, oh god, and the flag started flying. Oh. Well, see, well they changed the rules. You know, with the quarterback, you can't hit the quarterback because the quarterback is your main guy. And what we were interested in is TV views. Right. You know well, Dick, I mean? you can't hit the receivers either. Mm -hmm. You can't touch them. Exactly. You can't touch them. So it's just like a track meet now. That goes back from when we did it, and that's why it was the most violent decade. Who's the toughest player ever you played against, that, Ed? Uh, Forrest Gregg. Forrest Gregg. Not even, there's nothing to even talk about yeah. him. He wasn't the biggest, he was just the best. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. From the Green Bay Packers. Right. Coach, coach what, Cincinnati <laughs> Bengals. Yeah. Also, Ed, I, I know you did uh, Chicago post-game shows. What's your favorite sports media moment that you were involved in? Uh, I don't know, just the ability. Like, I did it all those years with Doug, and now it's with Dan Hampton, and, and if Dick was here, and if we did it, I mean, I'm not going to tiptoe through the tulips. Tell you, well, don't say, well, the coach might get mad at you. I give a diddly damn, you know? That knucklehead we had for a coach, 25 assistants, folks. We had 26 coaches. <laughs> 26. There's 11. Guys. And we There's couldn't 20. beat a team with a winning record. It's third down and eight. Defense is on the field. Third down and eight. We're paying a kid by the name of Khalil Mack, $146 million, I think it was. And this last game of the year, this past season, now he's traded to the Chargers. It's third and eight in the fourth quarter, critical down, even though it's the last game. And who do they show on the sidelines? Khalil Mack. What the hell do you think he's here for? <laughs> to rush the passer. I mean, you got to be kidding me. And you, your coaches, you take him out 
and put somebody else in there? If, well, if you pull at the most, numbers, most it, likely the, he took himself out. Well, uh, yeah, because you imagine taking yourself out when we played. Yeah, if you were hurt, yeah, you couldn't take yourself out. Uh, no kidding. <laughs> oh, you're gonna. I t- suppose you're gonna tell that story in Baltimore when I tried to during the player introductions where I had to cut through the line through the girls, the the, the cowgirls from the Colts or something. Oh, I wasn't supposed. See, back then, if you were, you had these injury reports. So, but if you didn't put somebody on there and he didn't play, you know, a uh, big fine big and game, everything else. Yeah. So I'm trying to make a go of it, you know, and there's no way I could I could do it. Yet they didn't say anything. Uh, they didn't put me on the list. Let so, me take the story over from there. So, okay. <laughs> so before the game, he doesn't even get taped. His knee is so bad. Then this guy, Abe Gibran... <laughs> It's the same coach. There he is. And he came up with this unbelievable idea that we're playing the Baltimore Colts, you know, with great John Unitas and everybody over there. They had a hell of an offensive line. And he came up with the idea that we'll introduce Dick Butkus. You know, with defense, they were going to introduce us. Mm-hmm. We'll introduce him because then that will scare the Baltimore Colts. That I'm ready. I'm oh, able to man. play. Yeah, I'm I play. said, yeah, he's ready to play. Fear factor. That'll really make him think. <laughs> I thought, how dumb <laughs> could you be? He can't even walk. <laughs> so, in Baltimore at the time, uh, I think it was a Memorial Stadium they called it. Yeah. Guys, you can't believe They played high school games there. College, they played everything there, soccer games. So the field was dirt, just like when you field, they'd spray it with green paint oh, yeah. or dye or whatever the hell it was, you know. So they introduced us, and, and they wait for Dick to, to, to introduce Dick. And I'm sitting there watching the Baltimore Colts. We're both on the same side of the, of, of the sidelines. They were to the left, we were to the right. And, and starting middle linebacker, number 51, Dick Butkus. And Dick comes through and it's he's dragging. He's hobbling along like hop along Cassidy. He's he's hobbling along and his right leg is like dangling. And John Wayne, there was a movie called Stagecoach, where John was horse died in the desert and he and he took his saddle off him and he carried it in the stirrup was in the sand behind him, and there was a little, you know, a little cloud of dirt coming up from the sand from the stirrup. He's carrying this thing, and so Dick is running out of the field, dragging his leg, and I'm looking, and there's a cloud. There's a cloud. Oh, stop. like a miniature uh, tornado, whatever you call it. Cyclone. Cyclone. I'm thinking, so I look over at the Baltimore Colts, and they're going, they're pointing at <laughs> and that's the salivating. <laughs> the offensive coaches are huddling. Holy shit, he can't even walk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that was eight year, but yeah, we're gonna scare the ball more. I could not make it to the end of the band. Oh, I had my. to cut. I had to stop and go. You know, go in the middle of them. So oh, what I, oh, so Dick, when I, it's the truth. I did. I so when Dick is coming on and he's dragging his leg. Oh. And oh. so I look at the Baltimore, and they're they're pointing on this thing. I tapping each other on the shoulder. Look at, the, 
(laughs) So they tell me that I've got to play at least one play because they didn't report my injury. Yeah, one play. So I go out there, and uh, who the heck? There was a guard, uh, Sandusky. So he'd come at me, and I'd just grab his shoulders, pads, and then we would just, like, dance. He says, what the hell are you doing out here? And I says, I got to be out here. But they said only one play, so I right. won't see it. And I looked at the sidelines, and Dooley and Gibbon give me the old turn their back to me. Yeah. And I can't leave because back then, oh, you don't, you don't want to play? You haven't be pulled fine. out of the game yet, right? I had to finish the whole series for crying out loud. <laughs> Unbelievable. That was uh, – that was, And uh, I think getting off the bus at Memorial Stadium there with the Colts – I think it was my rookie year, though. We're, get, we're coming off the bus, and these people there by the bus yelling and swearing at you. And then a priest always was with us, you know. So a priest gets off the bus, and they start swearing at the priest. You don't need that. You know, I'm like, holy crap, this is the pros. All right, man. You know, this, is what it's, this is what it's all about. Oh, my God. That's wild. You know, I guess some players today, they, they would yeah. – the only thing I they wouldn't the, make it. No, today, I, well, Dick, you know what? You know I, what? You know what? He wants to take you, me on in that challenge. I'll take wh- him on. Give me a break. When I when I was talking to Gail about oh maybe six years now or seven years ago, uh, we were talking and he was talking about a running back or talking to a bear running back, and he brought up Jim Brown's name, and this current player at the time with the Bears said, "Who's that?" And that tells me that, you know, the history where you can, you know, you looked up to people back then. You mean a running back has never heard of Jim Brown? How how can that be if you're into the game at all? I, I don't I don't understand. I have an answer for you. What? Egotistical, stupid moron. <laughs> <laughs> Rich moron. Seems Whatever. Like, right. Whatever. Well. You know, of course, that's you know, we're well. Everybody's gonna say, well, you know, you're just jealous and everything else. But you know, the facts are the facts. The game has changed. Mm-hmm. I don't care what they say. The rules. Rules the, tell you how to play the game. Yeah, you're yeah. exactly correct. Well, I mean, my God, it's, guy, the, it's a different game with the it's tackling. A it's a passing now. game. It's a yep. passing it's league. A point you think game. television wants a ten to seven game? <laughs> <laughs> they want a track meet, forty eight to forty five. Right. By all the teams, week after week after week. And if you don't, you know, all those billions you guys are getting, bye-bye. Yeah. yeah. Well, now that they signed the gambling deal, they'll be all getting more. Mm-hmm. Anyway. And the new, you know, you hit lower and you got to get lower and lower. Those, you know, the hits you get flagged for now, leading with the head and all that stuff. Yeah, and it causes a lot of injuries trying to avoid getting hit, mm-hmm. getting hit high. I mean, that's all, you, you can't hit them low anymore. No. I, I just don't understand it with all the – with all the advancements, you know, of nutrition and strength Care. building, you know, Care. how about your diet? I mean, you must have been on the protein and and all that the stuff. Shakes it, back then, the shakes and yeah, it was called yeah. old style. <laughs> Jump rope. You, can you imagine going to like Wrigley and then have they have a spread there so you can have your lunch and dinner if you so please? <laughs> if like they do in let me tell you something. If that happened, Dick, back in those days, the old man he'd just send you a bill. Oh, yeah. Huh? <laughs> It'd be a deduction. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the year, here you go. Yeah. You owe me now. Well, with the new team and new coaching staff, and since Matt and his, his 25 challengers, 
I, I, I just, I can't, 26 coaches, and it was year after year, game after game, play after play, and we'd sit there, Dick, I tell you, and listeners, what, what are the, who's putting these game plans together? Well, and one play will sum up the four years of him as a head coach. It's the came to be the last offensive play of the game. Okay. Fourth down and one yard to go. We're on a one yard line going in. This is the last game, folks, of the season. One yard line, one yard to go to score a touchdown, which we very seldom do. But anyway, so they break the huddle and they come up and they go into a no back situation. In other words, the quarterback was set up in a shotgun. We had five wideouts. Five. <laughs> now, we have probably what I would say top five, max seven running backs in the league. His name is Montgomery. He averages almost close to five yards a, a carry. So they break the huddle, and here we go into the shotgun with the five wideouts, and then they pan on the sideline. Who's on the sidelines? Montgomery, our running back, who was one of the best running backs, I'm telling you again, top five, top seven in this league. That kid never gives up. Where was he? On the sidelines. You know what happened to Andy Dalton, our quarterback? He got sacked for a 14-yard loss on fourth down and one yard to go with the, one of the best running backs in the league. You're fired. <laughs> Well, How wait a minute, wait a minute. He comes dumb and stupid. Listen, he came from the uh, Andrew uh, Reed uh, coaching tree at, yeah. at Kansas City. Yeah, no, he's back with them. Yeah, he's back with them. So, anyway, well, looks like a good year coming up. We'll see what happens. Well, Dick, they got a this guy Eberflus. Yeah, the one thing he better do, and played the game long enough, played in a great team and played on some bad teams. Okay. Yeah. Played with you, not arguably the greatest linebacker to ever play the game. And I'm going to tell you what, Eberflus and his coaching staff better hold these 53 kids, their feet to the fire. You better hold them accountable from day one when you get in the training camp. And you better not be their best friend. That's not how this game is played. That's not how you win a football game. Make them accountable. Make them smart. Make them aggressive. And for God's sakes, it's been what? How many years since 85? <laughs> 37, 36. 38 years? The league that started the league. And we can't league. beat a winning team? Yeah. And you yeah. want to be their new best friend? No. <laughs> That's <laughs> not how it works. No. Hold them right. accountable. Get the job done. Yep. Yep. Well, I agree. Well, I, I don't know. Is there any else? anything else we can solve here while chest? we're here? Get off your chest? Well, no, it's not getting. It's Dick. It's not getting off your chair. Yeah, You're it's, right. It's, it's telling, the, telling it. Like what do you it, want me to tell you? Yeah. Oh no, the great one of the best running backs in the National Football League on fourth and one with one yard to go for a touchdown. Okay, and you go to what five wideouts? We can't throw the football. Our quarterbacks. Take a guess, Dick. What team got sacked the most? I'll give you a hint. It starts with Chicago. Chicago Bears. And then well, on the, the defense, I, we have our – That I, was the most sacked team in the National Football League I, of 32 teams. I just think – We're they, the Bears. Yeah, I just didn't think the, the line got it, you know, got their their due. I mean, they're, I, I mean, they're <laughs> well, probably they taking a lot. Right. 
they're probably taking a lot of heat for leading the league in sacks. <laughs> hey, Dick, yes. let me tell you something. Those are long film sessions, too. You're on a one-yard line, and you got five wideouts. You mean to tell me with the five wideouts and the tight end, and you're back there in the shotgun, and all they got to do is go one yard, not one of those guys were open? <laughs> you you, got, Jeez, you want me to believe that? <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, that's funny. It's good to see you. Hope your family's doing well, and I wish I could get that broadcast. But Jay always tells me about stuff that uh, other people. So you got a good following. That's that's great. Well, that's we, it, it, you know, if, if guys if they're not doing it, and just like that one play, yeah. like fourth down and one yard to go for a touchdown, and your best running back, one of the best, in, and where is he? He's on the sidelines. Excuse yeah. me. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's common sense, and I'm supposed to dance around that and say, "Oh no, well that was his decision. It's his right." No, 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 no. That shows you how stupid that coaching staff was. That's what it is. And on defense, you have Mac on the sideline for in third and eight. Yeah. Well, you could. I'm going to tell you something, Matt. I couldn't tell you how many times Dan and I would sit there and, what the hell is he doing on the sidelines? I. It's he's probably hurt. You know, I, I can't. I've been talking so much here. I can't. Did I tell you how much he makes a play? Yeah, hundred forty million. No, no. He signed for oh. hundred forty. I didn't. Okay, let me finish that one. This one will be a good one for you. He, I think he's one hundred forty-six million for what? Four years or five years? Whatever it was. I went through the numbers and broke it down and figured he averages roughly about fifty plays a game. I'm talking about Cleo Mack, the hundred forty-six million dollar. $95 million guaranteed, okay? So I broke it down, and I said, if he plays 50 plays a game, all right, usually offense has got 65, sure. so, but if he plays 50 plays a game with his salary, you know what he makes a play? $30,000. Yeah. <laughs> $30,000. $30,000. And there's these people. In 50 plays a game, he makes 30000 So you, you multiply 50 times 30000 <laughs> Which is a million something. That's what he made in two and a half hours in Soldier Field, <laughs> and he didn't play every play. And that's what the people. That's a fact. And that's what the fans go there. They they kind of make that kind of money. That's what it is, guys. That's funny. Thirty thousand dollars a play. Money. Sometimes the play could last two seconds. <laughs> Quarterback sneak thousand one thousand two or a quick trap stop. If a play goes eight seconds. Nine, ten seconds, that's a lifetime. Yeah. And the guy made 30000 So that's what he would make every game. Every game was uh, whatever oh, the hell. You I just, could, somebody I could, add it up, you'll freak out. I can hear and see the people saying, oh, he's jealous. And, uh, you know, you damn yeah. right I am. Too far, Jeez. That'd be $1.5 million a game. Yeah. There you go. There you yeah. go. That's it. Only. That's what he was making. If he played fifty plays a game, see, many times have changed. And then you, if you get injured during the year, you're paid for not playing, right? Well, he's guaranteed yeah. ninety five million. Yeah. So yeah. You know, to, of the hundred forty six million, so you know, is what it is. But in just to kind of to play with the Chicago Bears was a a thing, and I'm sure Dick, you can allude to this. And and I mean, it was I grew up with it. Yep, uh, grew up with it. My dad would take, we'd go see the Bears where they, you know, only get standing room only tickets. You know, you couldn't get a ticket to the Bear games. You'd go to Wrigley Field and to play in Wrigley Field, to go to the University of Illinois. It was a dream come true to play with the Bears. 
It was another dream come true uh, to win a world championship. Then Dick, I know damn well, always, you know, to be the best. You, or, or why do you even play the game? As an individual or as a teammate, you want to win a world championship and you want to be the best at what you do. And that's what I strived and that's what Dick strived. It's not a mystery to me. It's not a mystery to Dick. And all those years, Richard, and all the pain and shots and everything, I would do it again. I know oh, yeah. you would do it again. And all I can tell you, Dick, it was an honor and a pleasure to play with you. I love you, brother. Well, I appreciate it. Just keep it going. That's all. Yep. Don't stop, pal. Stay above the ground. That's, That's it. it. All righty. Thanks well, for coming on. And yeah. Thanks for spending a, some time with us. Hopefully, you'll be able to do it again with us. Where do I pick up my check at, Matt? <laughs> Alice Hall. No, it's in the mail. It's in the mail. <laughs> I liked his better, Alice Hall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank awesome. you guys. Thanks for coming on, Ed. Appreciate much. it. Thank you to Mr. Ed Obradovich and Mr. Dick Budkiss for joining the show today. And thank you to my co-host, Matt Budkiss. Follow us on our social channels listed in the show description and thebudkissaward.com for updates on this podcast. If you're interested in purchasing number 51 merchandise, please go to dickbudkiss.com. Be sure to follow the podcast on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. This podcast is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. I am Matt Amendola, and we'll catch you on the next one. AmericanEagle.com has over two decades of experience designing websites that produce results. Their clients have come to rely on them for a full line of website services from consulting and strategy to digital marketing, hosting, and support. AmericanEagle.com is the technology partner you need if you're looking for online success. They work with clients in nearly every industry. They're also the official website and digital marketing provider for the Buckus Award and Buckus Foundation websites, and we proudly recommend the team at AmericanEagle.com. Give AmericanEagle.com a call today, 1-877-WEB-NOW-1. That's AmericanEagle.com, 1-877-WEB-NOW-1.